Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Locked in a Podcast. I'm your host Alex Souter, the proud owner of The Panic Room Gravesend. So for all of our newcomers, this podcast dives deep into the enthralling world of escape rooms. Whether you're a puzzle enthusiast or someone who's simply curious about what goes on behind those locked doors, there's always going to be something for you. The topic of this week's episode is controversies. So we've got a few interesting and controversial topics to talk about, so let's dive right in. The first one we'll be talking about is the great debate, linear versus non-linear puzzle design. Now, if you're scratching your head and wondering what's the difference, or if you're rubbing your hands in excitement because you know how passionate this debate can get, either way, you're in for a treat today. So, let's set the stage. Imagine you're in an escape room and there's a sequence of events or puzzles you have to follow. A leads to B, B leads to C, and so on. That's linear design. It's like reading a book from start to finish and every chapter follows the previous one. There's a clear and well-defined path. Now, picture another scenario. You're in a room and there are multiple puzzles all around. Some might be connected and some might not be. And the order in which you need to solve them can vary. This approach gives teams more freedom and players can work on different puzzles simultaneously. That's non-linear design. It's like being in a maze with multiple paths to the exit. Both designs have their charm. Linear designs often offer a stronger narrative flow. There's a storytelling aspect and players like to feel like they're moving through a well-defined story, with each puzzle taking them deeper into the narrative. The satisfaction comes from feeling the progression and the build-up of tension as you edge closer to the climax of the experience. On the other hand, non-linear designs can be exhilarating for teams. It offers a more open-world feel where multiple players can shine at once, working on different puzzles. It's fantastic for larger groups where everyone wants a piece of the action. The thrill here comes from the chaos, the freedom and the collective aha moments when disparate pieces come together. Now, I've been passionate advocates for both styles. Some love the structured feel of linear rooms, the way it weaves a tale. Others crave the adrenaline rush that comes with the unpredictability of a non-linear room. The multiple eureka moments happening, potentially simultaneously. But here's the beauty of it. Neither is right or wrong. It's like preferring a mystery novel over a choose-your-own-adventure book. Both have their merits, both offer unique experiences, and both can be incredibly rewarding. I remember designing a room that began linearly, setting the narrative, and then ultimately branching out non-linearly, giving teams multiple challenges to tackle. The feedback on from some people was mixed, but it's always passionate. Some love the blended, while others leaned heavily towards one side or the other. Ultimately, as escape room designers and enthusiasts, what's exciting is the evolution and innovation in puzzle design. But maybe let's dig a little deeper to see how team size and experience can influence which style might be more challenging or maybe even enjoyable. First, let's reframe for our newcomers. Think of an escape room as video game for a moment. In a linearly designed escape room or game, you're following a specific path or storyline, much like a traditional single-player campaign in video games. On the other hand, non-linear or multi-linear rooms are like open-world games. There's freedom to explore, multiple tasks at hand, and various ways to reach the end. 
Now, linear games can actually be a real gem for smaller teams, especially couples or pairs. Think about it, you're in a romantic or buddy setting, uh, both of you engrossed in a single puzzle, collectively closely sharing insights and experiencing each eureka moment together. You're on this journey step by step and there's something deeply satisfying and bonding about tackling challenges side by side without feeling overwhelmed. Here's a pro tip for couples or small groups. If you're new to escape rooms or if you're looking for a date night adventure, try a linear room. The streamlined design ensures that you don't spread yourselves too thin and instead of facing the pressure of multitasking, you can fully immerse in each individual puzzle, unraveling the story piece by piece. But now let's flip the coin. Seasoned escapers or large groups might find non-linear rooms to be their cup of tea. These designs offer an expansive playground to explore. Different team members can dive into multiple puzzles simultaneously. Everyone has a role, a challenge, and as paths intersect and stories converge, there's this incredible collective achievement. It mirrors the feeling of exploring a vast open world video game where every corner has a secret and every task offers a unique thrill. I remember hosting an experienced group who thrived in non-linear rooms. They'd split into mini teams, tackling different puzzles, and regroup to share clues. It was like, honestly, just watching a well-oiled machine. Each part was contributing towards the final escape. However, sometimes with those types of games and with those types of groups, you can get to the end of the game and simply miss parts of the escape room because other people completed it while you were working on something else. And that is unfortunately one of the downsides of either playing in a non-linear room or simply playing in a larger group. At the end of the day, both linear and non-linear designs have their charms. They cater to different group dynamics, experiences, and preferences. And, you know, it's about the journey and the collaboration and the stories we create and share. So, next up, we'll be talking about the science of difficulty. We'll be having a look at a topic that's both fascinating and critical for escape room designers and players alike. The science of difficulty. Ah, that delicate balance between challenging the veterans and not overwhelming the newcomers. Let's get into the nitty-gritty, shall we? We've all been there, right? The moment when an escape room puzzle either feels like a breeze or, on the contrary, makes us feel utterly stumped and a bit simple. But have you ever wondered how designers decide on that level of difficulty? Let's start on the basic principle. The core goal of an escape room is to provide an engaging and enjoyable experience. It's not about frustrating players, well, hopefully, but also offering a challenge that feels rewarding once overcome. The joy is in the journey and the sense of accomplishment that is the destination. For newcomers, it's crucial to foster a sense of achievement. Too tough and they might be put off ever playing again but too easy and they might feel underwhelmed. New players need a combination of intuitive puzzles, those that involve recognizing patterns, or simple problem solving. These types of challenges engage players' natural instincts and offer a gentle introduction to the escape room world. But what about our seasoned escapers, those who've seen and solved it all? For them, designers often introduce multi-layered puzzles, these are challenges where solving one part reveals another complex layer or where different puzzles intersect and influence one another. It's like peeling an onion of mystery. 
A strategy that many designers swear by is the concept of adaptive difficulty. This means having puzzles that can be adjusted based on the player's performance. If a group is breezing through, a game master might introduce additional unexpected twists. If they're struggling, maybe subtle hints can be provided to nudge them in the right direction. It's all about personalizing the experience. Another approach is the inclusion of bonus puzzles. These are challenges that aren't necessary to escape, but provide that extra layer of difficulty for enthusiasts seeking a tougher challenge. While newcomers can be satisfied with the primary route, experts can quench their thirst for complexity with these bonus puzzles. We did something similar to this in our old room, the Gilman Hotel. Of course, with the Gilman Hotel, your primary goal was to simply escape the hotel with your lives. However, you were sent there on a mission to try and find five different artifacts about the Order of Dagon. Now, this became really interesting as some of them were a little easier to find, whereas some others really took the extra dedication and teams would ultimately be ready to go out of the exit door, but stay inside a little bit longer to try and get those last couple of artifacts. And ultimately, it just added extra reason for celebration if they managed to get out within the 60 minutes plus all five artifacts in hand. I think that's one of the reasons why the Gilman Hotel in particular was so popular when we had it open. But another thing to think about is about the importance of feedback. Designers often rely on players' experiences to tweak and refine their rooms. So next time you're offered a feedback form after your escape room, make sure to fill it in. Your insights might shape the next room's challenge level or adjust the current room's challenge level too. One of the things that we've been working on with our new booking system that we use is that it includes a thing called GX scores. This is all about the user experience. Now, what we do find is that when it comes down to reviews, some players will generally just leave an escape room five stars and say, yep, yeah, great, we had a wonderful time. However, that's not always as handy for being able to work out how you can improve what people didn't like and what they did like. So with private user feedback, we were able to actually get individual feedback on different parts of the rooms. This has been instrumental in being able to make tweaks, adaptations, and make sure that the quality of our escape rooms is as best as can be. Ultimately, the art of crafting difficulty is about understanding human psychology, recognizing diverse problem-solving approaches, and ensuring that everyone leaves with a smile on their face, eager to return. Otherwise, we simply wouldn't be in business for much longer. So I guess whether you're a newbie seeking a fun evening or a puzzle prodigy looking for your next big challenge, remember that escape rooms are designed for you. And to all creators and designers out there, thank you for the countless hours spent finding that perfect balance. It's what keeps us coming back for more. Okay, so now let's go on to our next topic here, which is escape room design copying. I know, right, so we'll be diving into the realm of mystery and deja vu, the world of escape room clones. Have you ever had that uncanny feeling that you've tackled that exact same puzzle somewhere before? There's a chance that you might actually have. Let's peel back the curtain. Designing a captivating puzzle is an art, and when a masterpiece emerges, it's not uncommon for others to, let's say, borrow the concept. 
Yes, we're talking about the not-so-cool act of cloning puzzles, or in some cases, entire rooms from successful counterparts. But the plot thickens. Remember when Stranger Things was all the rage? Out of the blue, escape rooms started appearing everywhere with themes bearing an uncanny resemblance to the Upside Down or the Hawkins Lab. Now, while drawing inspiration is one thing, maybe embracing the 80s aura or the parallel universe theme, directly copying the show's narrative, that's an entirely different ballgame. And here's where the waters get even muddier. There are businesses selling escape room designs to various venues who then tweak and launch them under different brand names. So picture this, you, a seasoned escape room enthusiast, travel to a new city, eagerly booking a challenge, only to discover it feels eerily familiar because you've played it before elsewhere, in another city, or maybe even another country. Speaking of which, I had a hilarious experience in Berlin. I was super pumped for this escape room adventure, and as the introduction began, the revelation hit me. This is our game. See, you see, a few years back, we actually acquired a game called Enigma from The Great Escape in Bletchley. We absolutely loved it. Now, I was aware that it was created from an original German design, but never in my wildest dreams did I anticipate actually coming across the room while we were playing rooms in Germany. It was both amusing and enlightening to play a version of a room that I operate myself and to see how it had evolved over time from its place of origin to Bletchley and then to its later adaptations here at the Panic Room. This got me pondering, should there be a system or label for rooms adapted from existing designs? This would offer players a heads up and ensure creators get their deserved acknowledgement. In a world that thrives on creativity, it's essential to champion originality and respect intellectual property, whether it's replicating a puzzle or drawing inspiration from popular culture. Let's not forget the heart and soul of escape rooms, crafting unique, captivating and unforgettable adventures. Let's unravel a little bit more of this thread, the legal labyrinth surrounding intellectual property, the potential hidden advantages that it might actually bring big IPs. So, picture this. You design an escape room drawing inspiration from, say, a popular movie like a franchise like Star Wars or a beloved TV series like Game of Thrones. While it might sound exciting, venturing into this territory without due diligence can land you in the dreaded realm of copyright infringement. Now, remember, characters, plot elements, logos, and even distinctive settings are typically protected. So, if your escape room mirrors these elements a bit too closely, you could face potential lawsuits, penalties, and the costly ordeal of rebranding or perhaps even shutting down your venture entirely. But here's an intriguing twist. While the legal ramifications can be severe, there might even be an unseen silver lining for IP holders themselves. Consider this, escape rooms inspired by these IPs can actually serve as promotional tools, sustaining and even amplifying interest in the original content. They offer fans an immersive experience, deepening their connection with the brand. And the best part, it saves IP holders the hassle and cost of developing these interactive experiences themselves. However, as we've seen, most major IPs restrict themselves to temporary pop-ups or brief experiential campaigns, often due to the intricate maze of licensing logistics. 
I mean, we've ventured down this path, eager to bring some iconic movies to life as escape rooms, and while the allure is strong, the reality often boils down to a clash of visions. Too many cooks, as they say. And let's not forget the hefty licensing fees that, more often than not, just simply make the venture unfeasible. From our adventures and discussions with industry insiders, it's clear that while collaborations between escape room designers and major IPs can be a dream come true, the road is fraught with challenges. Licensing agreements ensuring the essence of the IP is preserved while crafting an engaging escape room experience. And of course, the financial aspect. It's a jigsaw puzzle that's hard to piece together. But here's hoping for a future where these collaborations become smoother and more commonplace. After all, who wouldn't want to step into their favourite movie or show, even if just for an hour? So I wanted to also talk a little bit more about people unfortunately stealing puzzles. This is something that's unfortunately come to light quite a few times where we've been uh, told by customers or games masters or even other escape room owners that they've played rooms elsewhere and have seen that people have unfortunately taken elements pretty much drag and drop from some of our games. Now, obviously, like we have designed and created a lot of games and there's also only so many types of puzzles that you can really create. However, when it's pretty obvious and when it's drag and drop, it can be a little bit disheartening or frustrating. However, it's something that we've had to learn to simply move on with and understand that unfortunately some people will be creative in other ways rather than creating the puzzles themselves. They'll be creative in essentially putting together other people's puzzles into one single design for themselves. But to our creators and designers out there, always do your homework. Understand the legal landscape, respect intellectual property rights, and let your creativity shine without overstepping bounds. And our players, enjoy the immersive worlds that these creators craft for you, but always remember the efforts, challenges, and passions that go behind each door that you unlock. So, next up, we'll be talking about controversial themes. It's something that has stirred conversations, raised eyebrows, and at times ignited outrage in communities. The thin line between intrigue and insensitivity in themed escape rooms. When is it too much? When does an escape room theme push past the boundaries of good taste and respect? Let's explore this. So, history as we know is rife with stories of heroism, intrigue, and suspense. Ideal fodder for escape room narratives. But there's also darkness, tragedy, and human suffering. It begs the question, should every historical event be on the table for recreation as an escape room game? Let's have a look at a few examples to illustrate. So, World War II, a period in history that witnessed humanity at its worst and its best, with millions losing their lives. Now, while video games have often recreated wartime scenarios, think Call of Duty or Battlefield, the immersive and intimate nature of escape rooms makes them a different beast. Is shooting a digital enemy soldier the same as solving puzzles to escape a Nazi camp? The lines are blurred and the debate continues. Then, another example that we had was the Anne Frank escape room incident in 2016. 
A company called Escape Bunker, in a move that raised many an eyebrow, rolled out an Anne Frank-themed escape room, decorated uncannily like the house where they were hiding. Players needed to escape the clutches of the Nazis, so while some may argue that it's an ode to her resilience, others view it as an opportunistic move, cashing in on the horrors she and many others endured. In a similarly jarring fashion, a company in the Czech Republic, perhaps driven by the lure of a controversial theme, opened an Auschwitz escape room. Predictably, it was met with immense backlash and quickly shut its doors. It serves as a stark reminder that not all themes, no matter how historically significant, are apt for a game setting. So, what factors should we consider when gauging the suitability of a theme? Here are some angles to ponder. One thing would be recency. Is the event too fresh in collective memory? The wounds of recent tragedies run deep. Recreating them for entertainment risks being seen as grossly insensitive. Another thing would be political relevance. If an event is still a hot-button political issue, it's best to be avoided. The room risks becoming a political statement rather than simply an entertaining challenge. Now the last one is entertainment suitability. Escape rooms at their core are about fun and challenge. If a theme is so dark or distressing that it overshadows its primary goal, is it really suitable? Now, as we've discussed before, the draw of escape rooms often lies in their captivating narratives and their ability to immerse participants in alternate alternate realities. However, there are moments when the line between being topical and being tactful becomes blurred. Now, let's take a moment to reflect on the tragic event involving the Titan submarine, a heart-wrenching incident where many lives were lost, the memory of which is still raw in our collective consciousness. Yet, there's an unsettling trend that emerges from the shadows of such events, While the submarine was missing and constantly in news headlines, there was a noticeable spike in the sales of the submarine survival game Iron Lung. Now, this isn't to cast judgement on either creators or the players of Iron Lung, however it does raise the question, is there a morbid curiosity entwined with our desire for entertainment? Such data points hint at a deeper societal phenomenon where relevancy, even of the darkest nature, can influence the entertainment medium. It showcases that for some, the immediacy of real-world events enhances their immersion and experience, even if it borders on insensitivity. The lurking danger in our quest to be current or innovative, we might overlook the value of empathy and respect. For instance, there's an underlying fear that someone with a perhaps misguided sense of novelty might craft an escape room around the Titan submarine itself. Beyond the recency, there lies the broader ethical question. Should real-life tragedies where tangible pain and loss occurred ever serve as inspiration for games, for the means of entertainment? While time might make certain events seem distant, the risk of trivialising and undermining the pain remains. In our rapidly evolving world of content where movies, books and escape rooms constantly vie for our attention, striking a balance between relevance and respect is crucial, especially in escape rooms where participants deeply internalise the narrative. The stories we choose to engage with matter profoundly. 
As participants and patrons, our choices have power. By supporting narratives that resonate with our values and ethics, we can shape the trajectory of the industry. We can champion creativity without compromising on passion. And as creators, the goal should be to entertain, engage, and sometimes educate. But this shouldn't come at the cost of trivialising suffering or making light of grave historical events. Respect for the memories of those affected and a good dose of empathy and sensitivity should guide the design process. In conclusion, while it's undeniable that some topics provide rich narratives, they may not always be appropriate for an escape room. As with all forms of entertainment, it's a delicate balance between creativity, respect and understanding. The line between intrigue and insensitivity is thin. And as an industry and community, it's our responsibility to tread it wisely. Okay, so next up, we'll be talking about the role of AI in escape rooms. We'll be voyaging into the confluence of escape rooms and cutting edge technology, the role of AI or artificial intelligence. The burning question at hand is, does AI elevate the experience or undermine the cherished human element of the game? Now, before we plunge into this riveting subject, let's paint a quick picture. Imagine being stuck in an escape room, and instead of a human game master guiding or occasionally nudging you, there's an AI chatbot providing hints and directions. Sounds futuristic? Well, the future is now. A company recently launched an AI chatbot designed to be your escape room game master. Offering clues in a surprisingly natural manner, one of its main selling points that it was offering was cutting down on staffing costs, essentially promoting games masterless escape rooms. But, as we revel in this technology advancement, some concerns creep in. The age-old debate of man versus machine resurfaces. The charm of escape rooms lies not just in the puzzles, but in the entire experience. Part of this experience is the human touch, the game master who becomes emotionally invested in your journey, celebrating your eureka moments and sharing the thrill of the ticking clock with you. The question arises, can an AI replicate that? Can it cheer you on or react spontaneously to an unplanned move? And here's where the plot thickens. Safety. A major role of the games master is to act as a guardian angel. They're there to ensure participants play safely and don't venture into dangerous territory. For instance, what if out of sheer curiosity or frustration, a player contemplates inserting their finger into a plug socket? Can an AI, with all of its data and algorithms, predict such actions? And even if it can caution against it, does it carry the same weight as a human voice urging you to refrain from sticking your finger in a plug socket? Now, while AI brings undeniable benefits, consistency, potentially lower costs, and even the allure of a bit of tech novelty. It's essential to weigh these against the irreplaceable human touch. The personal rapport players build with a human games master, the spontaneous decisions based on the group's dynamics, and the genuine concern for safety might just be the elements that make escape rooms the immersive experiences that they are. So, in conclusion, while the role of AI in escape rooms is promising and can indeed 
enhance certain aspects, it's absolutely paramount to find a balance. The essence of escape rooms is the blend of intellectual challenge and emotional highs and lows. And in this delicate balance, the human touch will always have a role to play. Okay, so that about wraps it up uh, today for this episode of Locked in the Podcast. My name is Alex Suter and it's been an absolute pleasure to be your host. We'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode. So just remember, don't panic. <laughs>